You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us now open the Word of God as it comes to us in the Gospel according to John, chapter 8, and we'll read the verses 12 through to 41. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgments on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then he asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me, O my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abram's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you, you uh, what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. For the sermon this morning, we will focus on verse 8 of what we read in John 8, verse 32b. Well, uh, for context, read 31 as well, 31 or 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the truth will set you free. That's a common saying taking, taken by many as their slogan. Freedom fighters will use it. We hear it happening all over the world again aiming to deliver themselves from often brutal and oppressive regimes. If you Google those words, the truth will set you free, you will discover that there is a website called The Truth Will Set You Free. And they will provide you with a number of secret or not-so-secret facts and events that will be real eye-openers and set you free from all kinds of misconceptions and deceptions in their eyes. Many could also use this to defend revealing secret documents by claiming that only the truth will set us free, freedom to access any information. Freedom, don't we all like it? We don't want to be hemmed in. We don't want to be enslaved by any other forces or circumstances. As we grow up as children and teenagers, there is that increasing desire to be free. Individuals want to be free. Nations want to be free. And so we perk our ears when we hear of a way to be free. The truth will set you free. Now, this comes from a very good source. And as such, it is very misleading when people who do not acknowledge, do not know the source, will use that saying. It is Jesus Christ himself who said this, as we heard in our text. 
but not with the meaning that many have given to it. Not with the intent to be used as it is by many, resulting in even contradicting his teachings. <clears throat> uh, it is a striking saying of Jesus. And it is enlightening and comforting if it is taken in the meaning that Jesus intended with it, which becomes clear when we read it in its context. Why does Jesus say this? What does he mean by truth and this resulting freedom? And how does Jesus thereby address each one of us individually, but also corporately as his people, his congregation? I preach to you, that's a theme, the truth will set you free. We will see three points. First, from what? Free from what? And secondly, how? And thirdly, free for what? As you will have noticed, our text is taken out of the middle of a rather long, but also a passionate conversation that Jesus had first mainly with the Pharisees and then with a broader public of Jews, including a number who initially seemed to believe in him. And the argument centered around the question who they believe Jesus really is and where he came from. They attacked his unique claim when he said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus revealed himself as the promised Messiah sent from God in heaven to redeem his people. He is the one scriptures spoke about. That one, uh, he is the one that all who claim to believe in scriptures should be looking forward to see. But instead he was confronted with total unbelief and rejection And the more that Jesus witnessed about himself, the more their hearts were filled with hatred and determination to kill him. But Jesus made very clear that rejecting his testimony was also rejecting the testimony of his heavenly Father, and thereby calling condemnation upon themselves. And at that point, the confrontation became very fierce, very sharp. And Jesus does not mince his words. Jesus knows that their hearts totally reject him and that they are looking for a way to kill him. And therefore he gives them another very serious warning when he says, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin." Where I go, you cannot come. Verse 21. And then Jesus clarifies it even further. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. If you do not believe in me, 
you are condemned. You're enslaved by your unbelief. The devil has you so totally in his grip and power that you will not escape anymore, but will die in this state of being a condemned sinner. By rejecting me, you have separated yourself from my and your heavenly father. Yes, you have separated yourself from life itself. You will die in your sins. You will go to hell. That's a terrible verdict, brothers and sisters. But that is the end of all those who live in unbelief and who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, who do not want to receive his word, don't give room in their hearts and lives for the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the truth. And we should never shy away from that truth when speaking with others. Out of compassion for them, we should share what we have learned from Jesus Christ himself. We may quote him, even if it may not be well received, even if it may resolve that you are rejected for it as well. But let me read in verse 30 that even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And in verse 31, that Jesus spoke the words of our text to the Jews who believed in him. Now, from what we read of their reactions in the following verses, we may wonder what it means that they believed in him. For even with them, a serious argument broke out, making clear that they did not accept his words. They did not understand, they did not acknowledge that they of themselves were not free. See, brothers and sisters, believing and believing can be two things. In chapter 2, the very beginning of John, verses 23 and 24, we also read that many believed in his name after seeing the miraculous signs he was doing. But then we also read that Jesus did not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He knows that they were not genuine in their faith. He couldn't trust them. Later we read that even many of the leaders believed in him. But then it's qualified by saying, but... They would not confess his name, and they loved praise from men in uh, more than praises from God. Chapter 12. Now, in the original Greek, there is no distinction made in how, in how the word believing is used in case of genuine faith or, or an appearance of faith. So the context must decide if faith was real <coughs> or not. And in a section from which our text is taken, the opposite appears. To the Jews who had believed in him, we heard Jesus saying, If you hold to my teaching, 
you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the important phrase. If you hold to my teaching. Yes, they thought he was a very trustworthy man, and that he was an excellent teacher. They were impressed with what he did and what he said. Just like many today, we'll also appreciate many of the truths that Jesus taught. Many today, all over, would also say, oh yes, I believe in him. But do they hold his teaching? Do they abide in him? Do they put their whole life into his hands? Do they let themselves be guided by him? Do they let themselves really be taught in the full truth Jesus reveals to us? Are they really his disciples? Now, disciple is one who learns from him, one who is taught by him. But in those days, it meant much more than that. Today, we also have teachers and students but there does not have to be a real personal relationship between them. But being disciple of Jesus means being his follower, living his way, doing his will, doing what he would do, always seeking to be near him and pleasing him, Being a disciple is surrendering yourself to him, holding on, applying whatever he says and desires. Holding on to his teaching is accepting the truth that without true faith in him, we will die in our sins. We are slaves of sin, slaves of the devil, that cruel master. And without Christ, God is not our father. The Pharisees and many of the Jews, also some of those who appeared to believe in him, were still caught, were still imprisoned in their own way of thinking, their own ideas. Yes, anyone who does not hold to his teaching, Jesus says, is a prisoner, is a slave, is not free, and will die in his sin. Whether they are Jews or Gentiles, church-going people or non-church-going people, slaves. The truth that Jesus reveals is that they are all enslaved, all prisoners of their own father, the devil, unless they believe in him as their only teacher and the only teacher of the only truth and really become his disciples. Knowing the truth in the sense of really knowing it, living it, and holding on to it, will set you free from yourself. Free from your own sins. Free from the dominion of the devil. Free from all false religion that so easily enters our hearts as well. We can easily deceive ourselves, thinking that we are religious, just like the Pharisees. They thought, and they were seen as being very religious, 
many other Jews in Jesus' day, in Jesus' days, without really being disciples of Jesus. We can only be set free from that deception and slavery by knowing the truth. The truth will set you free. Secondly, let's see how the truth does that. Now, Jesus is passionately pleading with them to believe in him, to believe his claims. He also declared of himself, I am the truth. And it must have really added to the suffering, to his suffering, to see all this slavery, to sin, all this false religion amongst his father's people, called to be a holy nation. How can they and how can we be set free? By listening to him, abiding in him, knowing and accepting the truth. Now, what is the truth? What does Jesus mean by the truth? The truth is one of the theme words in the gospel according to John. Before Pilate, Jesus declared, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Well, you know Pilate's reaction. He just shrugged his shoulders and said, well, what is truth? Without really waiting for an answer. Many today do the same thing. Sure, we we have a common meaning to the word of truth, which is strongly influenced by Greek philosophy, when truth means that it is faithful, accurate to the facts. When I speak the truth, it means that it is according to the facts. It means that I'm not lying. But Jesus here speaks about a truth that goes much deeper and much further. Truth is what God reveals to us through his Son as being the true state of affairs with us here on earth. It speaks about our creation in the image of God, created to glorify him. It reveals to us the fall into sin and our miserable state of slavery to sin ever since. If it was not for God's saving grace in sending his son into this world so that he would not perish, but have everlasting life. Truth is that there is no life, no salvation except through the suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Truth is that only the Son of God can set us free. Yes, He is the truth. Now, that is a hard truth for us, people here on earth. We don't appreciate hearing that we are still slaves to sin. And that we will die in our sin without acknowledging the truth that only the Son can set us free. 
You can't preach that on the streets anymore. And in the following verses, 34 through to 36, Jesus clarifies himself more, speaking to them. And they pride themselves in being children of Abraham. They belong to God's people, so they say. They live in his house. They enjoy all the benefits. Don't you call us slaves? But Jesus says, a slave has no permanent place in the family. Yes, they may live and work there for a while, and they may enjoy some of the benefits, but as a slave, they can be sold, they can be given away. They don't have a permanent place. The son, however, does. The son belongs to the family forever. And the son can set you free from that slavery and make you children of the family who will be that forever, just like the son. But it is only through him. He offered perfect obedience. He gave his life to set you free. That is the truth. And that is the truth that you must know, that you must embrace. Hold on to his teachings. Abide in in him, otherwise you have no life. You're doomed to die in your sin, as slaves of sin, children of your father, the devil. And by holding on to his teachings, devoting your life to him, living for him, following him, you will grow in the knowledge and the depth of this truth, And so the truth will set you free more and more. Then Jesus said, then you are really my disciples. And then you are really children of Abraham, the father of all believers. Then you belong in the household and family of God and will do so forever. It's permanent. Now Jesus hears their defensive attitude justifying themselves, having no need for him. He sees that hatred and that rejection in their eyes. And Jesus begs and pleads with them, children of Abraham, for Jesus knows what's at stake. He knows that they will lose their status as God's people. They will lose their righteousness before him because they are rejecting the one whom God made their righteousness. And Jesus just sees them heading for hell. And his heart just cries out for them, to them. Please understand, Jesus said. Please listen, please open your hearts. Confess your sins and come to me. My yoke is light. I am the son of the house. And in my Father's goodness and grace, I'm here to make slaves his children again. The truth I proclaim shall set you free. But that is the only way. There's no other way for anyone. Jew, Gentile, in whatever age, whatever place they live. Brothers and sisters, just a question. Do we share 
that same concern? Do we have that same passion when we see so many others being slaves of sin and not knowing the truth, this truth? Do we show the mind and the spirits of Jesus Christ? Are we truly his disciples and followers in this respect as well? Lastly, we will see for what we are set free. Why are we free? What, what, what is our freedom? What freedom is the Lord speaking about in this immediate context? Well, he declared that they were slaves of sin. That they were stuck in their own frame and unbelieving mind. Rejection of the Christ, no matter what he did or said. They were slaves in their own schemes of self-righteousness and pride, deceiving themselves by thinking that being children of Abraham, they were free, they had nothing to worry about. And that slavery stifled them in their worship of the Lord hindered them from opening their hearts to him, to receiving Jesus Christ as God's greatest gift of grace to them. They were walled in. They were boxed in. They couldn't see the light of the world, living and continuing in the darkness of their own minds. To them, Jesus declared, Abide in my teachings, and really be my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from oneself, free from one's sinful nature. Sure, in this life we may still fall into various sins, and we do, but we do not live in, and we do not live for sin. The devil does not have the last word in your lives anymore. His dominion is broken. We are free from his bonds. We are rescued from that most cruel master, and we may now live as free children in God's house, in the kingdom of God. That is the freedom that Christ promised them if they hold on to his teachings if they really follow him in all that they do. But his freedom is more than being delivered from the slavery of sin. It is a freedom unto everlasting life to serve the Lord your God. Freedom to serve Christ and our Father in heaven. When Moses went to Pharaoh to tell him that the Lord said, let my people go, let them leave bondage and slavery, this was not just for their own personal freedom to do what they wanted to do, not just for the freedom as a nation. No, Moses also gave the reason, so that they may worship me. Their lives are going to be worship and celebration of their freedom in God, living His way, receiving and enjoying all His blessings. 
There's a lot of freedom fighters today in this world thinking that they all need democracy. That's the solution. They don't need that. They need the gospel. They need the true freedom to know and worship the Lord in a life of thankfulness unto him. The real truth will set them free. Now we are set free to live as God's children in his house, as free people to serve him day and night, and that forevermore, together with his son Jesus Christ, entering the promised lands. Remaining sins will not and cannot stop us from serving the Lord in all freedom. And when we do still struggle with sin and weaknesses and sometimes lack of faith and doubts, we will not despair, but we will hold on to Jesus' teachings even more, following him even closer, concentrating on knowing the truth, praying for it, knowing that in that way we will be set free. We may still sin, but we won't be enslaved by it. We won't continue in sin, as John says in one of his letters. Pray for the guidance of the Spirit. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes, the danger is there that we become careless knowing that we have freedom in Christ. And and it has been interpreted that way. But the Lord also warns us not to use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, Galatians 5 and elsewhere. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, 1 Peter 2. But that would be impossible if we in all humbleness hold on to Christ's teaching and are true disciples in the full sense of the word. Brothers and sisters, let us be of those who truly believe, who cling to the teachings of Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as our Savior. Let us belong to those for whom the truth is a sure knowledge and a firm confidence out of which they desire to live in freedom as God's children. And may it be our joy to serve God to the best of our ability, proclaiming through our lifestyle in our words that there is only one way. Christ is the way, the truth, the light of the world. Thank God that we may know and confess this, that we may live in this freedom in his kingdom now and forevermore. Set free from ourselves, free from the dominion of sin, the devil and the world. How great our God and Savior is. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.